0: Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, and Rumble. And of course, be sure to visit reviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, onto to the show.
1: Is this wrong?
2: No. No. Do you want some?
1: Good evening to our top story tonight. The McGowan Coppolis family drama continues. Martin McGowan is no longer a suspect in his wife, Elizabeth's disappearance.
2: So, I got a job.
1: Congratulations,
2: darling. Thought you wanted to be on TV.
1: We finally get to write the big expose. You mean, new guy here?
2: This is my story.
1: Wrongo, this is a public story. And whoever writes a better piece. They'll be published.
2: I'm going to walk bed. away from here. You've no right to walk. Off. You walk away from there. Or we can write something that actually helps someone for once.
1: You could just come out and say you think he did it. Knowing him, he'd sue me for defamation. Defamation. Which is it? Play her or help her? We
2: help her by gaining her trust, and then we get the unfiltered truth. Come on. What's on the tape? Nothing. No, not nothing. Oh, can I see it? No. no. This is a victimless crime. He was a poison.
1: The only way to kick a nasty habit is to form a new one. Lucky for you, the beast abides.
0: So who gets the credit when this is over? hello and welcome to the matt's movie reviews podcast i am your host matthew Perkovich and this is episode number 546. Set to have its first screening on july 26 as part of strain wide tour is slant a black comedy that tells the story of an unhinged journalist who is given the assignment of a lifetime involving the disappearance of an infamous socialite a blend of high camp soap opera and engrossing murder mystery Slant also features a cast that includes Sikland Thornton and Michael Niku, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast, Michael and Sigrid. Thank you so very much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me. And, Michael.
2: Yes, thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And before we go on, for everyone out there, you can go to www.slant.com. Stashmovie.com. there you can find all the tickets and the um the places where slant's going to be appearing and it's going to be plenty of q a screenings as well so it's um i really recommend people do go and watch slam because it really is an incredibly entertaining movie and michael there's a line in the film that i think really kind of brings the whole whole, whole, whole film together for me where um your character says everyone loves a dysfunctional family drama um, and I think it's very true in a lot of ways. I think it's a type of um, uh, type of um, stories that really speak to a lot of people because let's, let, let's, let's face it, everyone's, everyone's families are messed up in one way or another, right? Um, but in regards to yourself, you started writing this screenplay, I think, like three or so years before you guys started shooting in 2020, 2021. Um, what was it at that time for you that you really wanted to not only start writing I write about this. What is about these characters in this type of family, in particular, that that really spoke to you as a as a storyteller at that time?
2: Hmm. Well, the film is uh, very It's semi autobiographical. Uh, I haven't, I've never looked into a murder mystery, uh, so to speak, but it, it definitely was sort of an exercise in how I might uh, explore how I felt about myself and my family. Uh, uh, but I was very aware that I didn't want it to be too self-indulgent. So finding that sweet spot between, you know, how do I put all of myself into it and all of my feelings and all my truth and, and all that raw good stuff that hopefully should be relatable because it, it's just that it's, it's true. Uh, but then, you know, tell it through the lens of, of something that's, uh, that's incredibly entertaining, I hope. So that's why it's got all these elements, this high camp and, uh, stuff to it so that hopefully it'll not just be relatable, but also be a thrill ride for people.
0: So Sigrid, you played a role of Vivian in the movie. Um, she's the matriarch of the film an incredibly interesting uh, performance and incredibly interesting lady. Um, when you first get this script, um, written by a uh, uh, Michael, who's um, you know known more for as an actor, and it's uh, got a first-time director attached to it. Um, what are your, f- what are your first response um, to the script and the character of Vivian? Because I'm very interested as to um, uh, what the um, stories uh, spoke to you as an actor.
1: Well, first of all, you go, oh, Michael Niku, who's that? I haven't heard of Michael Niku, and then you do a little bit of like this, and then but. You might do a little bit of research but really the first thing is to read the material mm. and as soon as I read it I thought, this is really unusual and it's actually extremely hard to write something that's that unusual these days. A lot of things have been done and some would argue there are only seven stories and all of that stuff. Putting that to one side, the film has a um, a really uh, particular it presents a particular world and the character of Vivian was such a, so wild uh, that I thought I just really want to meet the team uh, and take it the next step. And as soon as we met, it just seemed to sort of go like you know, we just, we knew that it was um, kind of a, you know, a, 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 a different kind of a marriage that we'd entered into. Um, and uh, it's been a great ride ever
0: since Michael, the film is set in the 90s, 1999 to be specific here. What is it about that decade, that year, that really resonated to you to set that movie then? Because, as you know, you could have potentially done like the decade before, the decade after, but what was about that time, um, especially in uh, Melbourne, uh, in Australia at that time, that really kind of spoke to you that you thought that the story would um, flourish better in, in that time period?
2: There's a there's a quite a few reasons actually that I landed on 1999, and it was I was even so spe- specific that I was tossing up between 97 and 99, and I had reasons. But the general reason I said it in the late 90s is one, uh, I grew up in the 90s, and so there's a nostalgic element for me. So it's personal, and you know anything personal you can add into your stories will translate, even if it's not obvious, I feel. So, that was one part of it. Another part of it is that, you know, when writing a, you know, murder mystery, technology complicates things. I didn't want people having smartphones and that was, you know, just uh, a mechanical choice. And then stylistically, uh, you know, it's such a, for me at least, a a really visually appealing time. So, for costume and design choices, it was just sort of delicious. And then lastly, I'd say that uh, that era was sort of like I guess there was a transitional point for print media as sort of Y2K and technology was coming along. So there was just all those things, it just felt like the obvious choice that it was going to be set then.
1: Can I just add to that and say, um, Matthew, that um, I always felt like 1999 is such an emblematic year you know, it, it was it was a kind of brink of we're on the brink of, and mm. the film um, has that quality about it too that it might explode into something else any time, and I and it, indeed it does. Um, but, uh, so I, I just feel like 1999 has a certain it, it always did and always will have a certain sort of extra sizzle about it, and uh, so that was another that was another thing that I grabbed onto as an actor.
2: Yeah, totally. Cigarette. And it's 99. It's like really is right at the precipice. That's right. It, it definitely is, yeah. And Sigrid, I want to ask just in regards to
0: that year and that decade, um, the media um, industry is something that is part of of the movie here. From what I remember of 99, that was the year that I graduated high school. And I remember at that time still, even though the internet was not that far away, the newspaper was everything, the magazine was everything, print media was essentially like still the big thing at the time. Um, When it came to comparing the media landscape of the 1990s compared to today, for example, do you think things have gotten better in a way that um, journalists – um, approach their stories, um, because there's all these stories we hear now about behaviours of journalists back in dark time where we'd be here in Australia and the UK in regards to all different types of unethical kind of ways to get to the story, like how Michael's character does in, in this movie. Um, do, you, do you think that things have gotten better since then, or do you think it's still the same kind of uh, tricks that people pull, but just the, the technology has changed?
1: How much time have you got? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a really, really complex question. And it's a very good question. Um it, it, it is truly pertinent to the film because the film has deliberately, as Michael said earlier, um set itself in a in an era when where um, you know, print and uh you know, print was king and or queen, or you know, otherwise, <laughs> something in between. Uh and you know, mobile phones didn't exist, all that sort of stuff. Mm. or we weren't using them readily. Um, so uh Yes, I. Uh, the unscrupulous behaviour of the journalist in slant is something that existed in in, uh, in, in during the print media, uh, you know, phase. If, like, if we like, I mean, it's, it's in, to me, it's even weird to call it a phase that we're moving mm. away from because at the time, of course, no one would have believed if you'd told them that in such a short space of time, most people would read their newspaper digitally, even. Uh, that said i i think that um that that what you're talking about is a sort of uh, the kind of ethics of journalism and I, and I, I don't personally believe that that's changed at all and indeed um indeed i i think that journalism journalism the the fact that we have a sort of much more globalized world if you like means that people who seek out Um, access to really intelligent editorial commentary on any given thing can find it. But but mainstream um, journalism has unfortunately had to kind of um, work its way around the explosion of social media. So mainstream journalism, to my mind, has become much more about immediate gratification and less about editorial and um, ideas. Uh, so yeah, that's where I sit. I could go on forever.
0: <laughs> Just on that note, Michael, if Derek was around now in twenty twenty three, um, and would he still be looking to want to be a journalist? Or could you see him trying to be something as an influencer or something like that? Would that be something the road that he reckon he would go down as opposed to trying to work in the, in the print journalism industry?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, at the beginning of Slant, Kate Listers character says to Derek, why do I have a ra- an ex-radio presenter from 101.9 in my office? Mm. And I think that part of Derek's journey is perhaps not necessarily that he has a passion for news, um, but there is a hole in his heart he's trying to fill and that's the avenue he's taking right now. So, yeah, if he was around in 2023, would he also that's not to say that he doesn't become passionate about the story at hand at the focus of, of slant as, as time goes on, um, or as the plot progresses, but it's an interesting point. Yeah. Would he be a podcaster? Would he be an influencer, a YouTuber? Um, because he, you know, at the beginning of the film, he really wants to be on television. And that's something that Billy says as well. I thought you wanted to be on TV. Um, because at least that's how his family maybe sees him, you know, why do you want to be in print? I thought you wanted to be a, a, in front of the camera. Uh, so I think there's a, there's perhaps a level of uh, insecurity and narcissism at play there with that character.
0: The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you'll love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store. Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews on top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. Sigrid, when it comes to Vivian, when you get a script, um, how do you like to approach your characters? Do you like to write background for your characters? Is that something that you do? Because... She's a very as people will know when they watch a movie, she is a very complicated character. There was a marriage that was once there. It's no longer there anymore. There are a lot of things happening with her, with her relationship with her children, um, things that are alluded to, things that are not. Do you like to approach characters like that by putting together your own thoughts and such in a diary or or, or such? Or do you like to talk directly to the screenwriter, to the director, and bring out your thought process in regards to that character in that way?
1: A bit of both, Matthew. I don't have a private uh, I mean, I haven't seen fit, certainly not in this case. I didn't have anything that was sort of private, and I know that some actors like to um, to experiment with having a sort of a few secrets up their sleeve that, that are just for them to use to uh, empower the performance. Uh, but I didn't, certainly not in the case of Slant, I didn't have any kind of secrets when, it was, when I was making up my, um when I was developing a sense of who the character was I do generally speaking yes have an, an understanding of a backstory um and but a, a lot of my and so there's a there's a kind of most actors would 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 say this but for me there's a sort of intellectual process that has to go on that that um so that I can get those kinds of ducks in a row but that's all to the end of in the end letting that intellectualization go just to to kind of free free the mind and the body to to um to forget about the processing that happened before and allow whatever's going to happen to happen and in fact um james is very much that kind of a director very much he works with um with uh pure instinct, uh pure sort of functional bodily instinct. And that makes I, I'm not meaning to sound too esoteric, but it's but it has a sort of um a basis in um a, an intellectual basis in 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 fact or in the facts that we've created as a as a um as a as the foundations of the house, if you like. <laughs> Does that make any sense?
0: Absolutely, yes. Um and Michael, when it came to your character Derek, you know, costume look is a big part of the film because of the period setting and the the times. But Derek especially really does have a a look to him that's really specific, really flash, Um, which is kind of funny in one instance because on one hand he's a reporter trying to almost go undercover and try to get to the truth, but he's like the the person you'll first see in the room just by what he's wearing his jackets and everything else. When it came to the approach of the look of this character, of Derek, the hair the highlights the costumes the jacket specifically i think jacket specifically is something about his character that is really stands out because i think at one moment he was wearing a jacket and i think it was um uh kate's character says that jacket looks stupid and you didn't like hearing that whatsoever um what is about the the costumes for you that really kind of brought out who Derek is as a person you think
2: uh you know, I, the costume is, it was very important to me. I worked closely with the costume designer, Madeline McCarthy, who's just an incredible talent. She has such an eye. Uh, and a lot of the clothes that are in the film, some of them are from my mother's wardrobe. Every time she'd do a cull for uh, years, I would sort of stop her and go, wait. Um, and so many things that are worn in the film by various characters are straight from my mother's wardrobe and I would source things from op shops and I think that um, to go back to more the focus of your question, because um, I digress a little, uh, you know, this character is really trying to assert himself, assert himself in the workforce, assert himself in his, you know, in his family, you know, that as you said, um, Vivian at the beginning of the film says, you know, that that jacket looks ridiculous on you because that jacket belongs to his father. So definitely every choice at the beginning of the film, he's wearing a newspaper printed <laughs> jacket as he watches the news. So uh look, the film does exist in a a uh, highly stylized place. So that is something that carries through to every character throughout the film. I mean, every character is wearing things that are uh, almost more theatrical than they are cinematic. And that was a very much a deliberate choice. But in terms of uh, Derek's clothing, uh, yeah, I think that he's, uh, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, that, you know, he's meant to be this undercover reporter, but he sort of is he's definitely no shrinking violet. He's wearing mm. leather pants, leather on leather on leather or whatever he's doing. Um, and I think that that's tied to his sort of, you know, his his, his sort of joker side where he has, he has a flair for theatricality in everything that he does, even the way that he goes undercover. He's not going undercover in a way that's inconspicuous. He's going undercover in this way of like inserting himself into these people's lives and pretending to be their friend. He's playing a role. Um, so it makes sense and made sense for us that he would costume himself. He costumes himself for any given environment.
0: Sigrid, I'm curious in regards to uh, hitting a specific tone to a performance. When you have a film like Slant, and it's intentionally meant to have that high theatrical element to it. I mean, that's the, that's really one of the whole, whole points of the movie. And when you have a character like Vivian, who is going through this transition in her life, and she wants to be an actress, and she really wants to kind of reinvent herself, um... When it, but she does it in kind of like a really kind of like really larger than life way how do you like to approach trying to get that tone right is it something that you find in the script or is it something that you talk about um with uh, with the director to try to get that that to get that to that high point but not so far up up the point you kind of like almost kind of like a kind of over over um over time to jump for example instead of instead of landing you kind of crash and burn because I, I really like I'd like to know about trying to get that right uh, tone uh, when it comes to dealing with material like this.
1: Well, I'm glad you put the question in that way, Matthew, because it, it has the it, it it comes with a presumption that I did get the tone right and I didn't jump too far over the cliff. Well,
0: I, I think you did absolutely. I know, Michael. <laughs> no, I think you, I, you think so as well, right? So, no, no,
1: no. She had to seem uh, extreme, and I did say to James on many occasions, just you know. Just you know, you can always pull a person back, and I. It's true with a, a, a um, directorial work that a director can always pull an actor back. It's much easier, well, in my view, to pull an actor actor's performance back a little bit, and in other words, make it slightly less overplayed than the other way around, Than to try to get the actor who's seriously underplaying to to give you more. So, um, and in this character with, with Vivian, she's so overt that i had to simply throw myself in so the answer to the question is um, it's on it's on the page and it's to do with the relationship that we formed together as as a company um you know uh, me individually with james but also of course with michael because you know this was a film that was um there was a tremendous amount of openness to collaboration uh and so we really did feel i think very you know as free as possible to um to discuss each other's stuff with each other, uh, and it's it can be difficult on a set to make um, commentary about another person's work or another person's situation on the set. Uh, we didn't have those kinds of restrictions on on the slant set, so I had a lot of help with from Michael with um, with things like this uh, because Michael I, and Michael, I think that's at the same time as James encouraged me to kind of go all the way really and which which I did but look where to pull back is is this is, is it's it's a one enters into a situation of trust with the director so that the director will say hang on just want to you know just take a look at this and see where it sits in relation to the scene we just shot Etc but um you also have to kind of you have to it's a combination of um experience and throwing caution to the wind, really. Uh, That's the case with me and Vivian because I knew that Vivian could fall flat on her face if she went too far. So I don't know whether I've answered your question.
0: It sounds great to me. Um,
1: (laughs) No, yeah.
0: Michael, I just wanted to ask as, as well about, you know, this movie for you you had to learn new skill sets, right? Of course, you're a great actor, but you have to learn, you're delving into writing with the movie, producing as well. It's one thing to, you know, get a concept of film going. It's another thing to try to get all together and and get the financing and everything else, Um, and especially for an independent film. And I think having spoken to a lot of independent filmmakers and producers the number one key thing when it comes to getting this film together is that everyone is on the same page, right? You, as a producer, you want to make sure everyone's on the same page. And Sigrid has talked about uh, a new, several times now about how important collaboration was and how it all came together. And it seems to me that while on the screen, we're dealing with a family that is broken and dysfunctional and not communicating behind the scenes, a new family is being formed, right? And I think a lot of times when it comes to independent films, especially, it's like a, fa- like a family effort. Everyone's got their roles and they all come together um, to the point where even your own mum was doing catering in, in the movie, right? Um, so what was it like for you to delve into these uncharted waters as a producer? And I'm sure how blessed it, was, it would feel to, to not only have a great cast, we have Sigrid and, and PR and Ella and so many other people, but you were all coming together in a really kind of just organic, really just way of open collaboration and creativity to, to get this film made. And get it on the screen. I think I'm sure for you, there's a, it's a high level of satisfaction that comes with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were beyond blessed that there was not one single bad seed and not one ego. Everybody very early on in the process. I say this a lot because I just love it. Sigrid said, it, it, "We were in the middle of a rehearsal, and and Sigrid." said best idea wins in relation to something we were talking about and that was sort of became our team motto for the entire slant family going forward it was just we want to make the best piece of art we can possibly make so there's no time to you know take into account whether some you know everything was always approached delicately i mean sigrid even suggested a shot at one point that we hadn't storyboarded and then in post-production we were just thanking our lucky stars that Sigrid had, you know, come up to us and said, hey, I think you should do this. I think it's really important. And there was, you know, a multitude of examples all throughout the process where anyone, nobody ever stepped on anyone's toes or stepped outside of their own department. Um, Everyone was very respectful. But everyone, uh, the tone was set very early on that this was collaborative, everyone was equal. And if you had something useful or the, you wanted to add in because you thought it was going to make the, the film better. That that was going to be received in a, a, a healthy and open way, and that's the only way I ever want to work. At least it made I think it made the process for an indie film with, you know, barely any money, and where everyone has to get savvy. Uh, if you don't have that attitude, then yeah, I don't. We wouldn't have made the film we made.
0: In secret, I'm sure that being a part of a, a cast and, and crew like that to see that great co- collaboration and and um, the need and great communication and in cre- um, creativity come from that would have been really satisfy satisfactory for you as well as a person who you know you've been on many movie sets you've been on many types of films and to see uh, a film like this with young creatives come together and um everyone working on the same page would have been a real kind of satisfying experience as well
1: it was a deep thrill it was uh because i not only saw you know and experienced the spirit of collaboration which as you suggest doesn't always happen uh and in fact more often than not there is a kind of a, a much more considered hierarchical situation where you know which which you know which is there for a reason and people are asked to respect that etc but this was different and um i but the other thing that i i wanted to stress was that the, the the other really satisfying thing as the as the filmmaking unfolded was to see that um that the team uh had the core team, uh Michael, Monica, James, uh and other other the other producers who were less evident on set, I should say. Those core people had populated the film. Uh, with a really, really solid group of talented young people. So that, that it was a very, it was, um, it was a collaborative set, yes. And it did have all of these, um, advantages of there not being a didn't have to tread around and tiptoe around egos, et cetera. But that said, there was an enormously professional approach day to day by everybody and everybody individually was incredibly well skilled for their work favors were called in but there were there were no shortcuts taken with skills with the skill sets
0: so for everyone out there listening, Slant, starting July 26th at the ritz Week, we'll start having a, a nationwide tour. Um, you can go to slant-mo- slant-movie.com and find the session times there. I'm just looking here. I mean, this is going everywhere. Sat- uh, Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, Darwin, uh, throughout all types of uh, uh, regional Victoria, Melbourne, uh, it's gonna be very busy times for for yourself, Michael, and Sigrid going forward. And um and it's gonna be uh, I think it's gonna be great for people to watch this in a cinema because this is the type of film I think that people need to react to in a cinema experience. I think there's gonna be a lot of laugh, laughter's gonna be a lot of there's shocky moments, there's twists, there's really great kind of whip pan kind of editing throughout the film as well and the costumes and everything. It's a really vibrant kind of engaging uh, black comedy. Um, and I want to congratulate you both on the on the movie. Um, Michael, uh, especially yourself for putting this all together. It's, a, it's your vision that you see on the screen. I'm sure um, watching the uh, watching the reactions that you've gone so far for, for the movie has been uh, really terrific for you. So I thank you both, Michael and Sigrid, for your time today. And best of luck with the upcoming tour. I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy this film. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you
1: very much. Thanks. Pleasure to be here with you.